0: Welcome back to the Marnie Blick Tapes, a podcast where we go through the many cases undertaken by Detective Marnie Blick, an extraordinary detective mostly active in the 90s. Marnie kept an incredibly detailed record of every case she took on. You'll be listening to those tape recordings, phone calls, logs, and notes. And why did Marnie record everything? Well,
1: she had a terrible accident that left her paralyzed from the waist down. And after a small hiatus, she ended up hiring an assistant, Finn Graham, a former police sketch artist, who Marty had worked with prior. She would send Finn out as her eyes and ears into the world, and he would then report back to her. And so that's what you'll be listening to, a retelling of a case that these two had been a part of. Also a reminder, the audio is rather old and not always well recorded, but we've done our best to restore the audio for your listening pleasure.
0: And with that, let's begin today's case. A case that brings us to a small private island in Fiji. A case that we've named The Hateful Hacking of Phil Cardet. Heroes Isle was a reality game show that shot its first season in 1997. It was known to be the precursor to a show you may know survivor. It placed 16 contestants in two groups of eight on a remote island. Each participant is given a machete and flint. They must survive by hunting, fishing, and building shelter, as well as building a sense of camaraderie. Every other day there's a competition that usually involves survival skills like chopping down wood or making fire in unique ways. And as the show goes on, challenges get increasingly more and more difficult. If one of them wins, they would not be able to be voted off by their fellow contestants. There were also different items that can give you different powers or advantages for those challenges. And eventually there would be two left standing, and America would vote which of those finalists would be declared the ruler of Heroes Isle and be rewarded with $100,000. Now, you may be wondering why you haven't heard of the show before. Well, that's because
1: Heroes Isle never aired. It never completed filming its first season because of what happened in this case. Here now is the first phone call between Marnie and Otto Dorfman, the show's producer. Uh,
2: Flights will of course be taken care of, an all-inclusive trip in a way.
3: Right, I understand what you're saying, Mr. Dorfman. I'm not so worried about the pay. I'm still confused as to why the local authorities haven't been contacted.
2: Well, yeah, so um, we're trying to keep everything contained. Okay. Only a few staff members here know about it. Like maybe five more people? Not including me, because if this gets out before we get a handle on the situation, then, you know, we... Look, we need someone we can trust for both their professionalism and their discretion. Is that something you can do?
3: Yes, my team and I will discuss, but yes. Okay, because if not, I will go elsewhere. I said yes. Okay, I will call you back in 10.
1: After a quick conversation with Finn, Marnie called Otto back and they booked the tickets. Within four hours, Finn was on his way to Fiji. And after arriving in Nadi, Fiji's biggest airport, Marnie got this call from Finn. We've decided to include this just because it highlights the kind of relationship Marnie
3: had with Finn.
4: I I did, but uh, there's a bit of a problem, Marnie. What happened? So there's a private plane that's supposed to take me from here to the island. Okay. And I probably should have told you this before, but I, I'm extremely claustrophobic. How bad? Yeah, it's, it's really bad. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if I can do this. <clears throat> um,
3: that is a problem.
4: It is, I'm so sorry, Marnie. It, it, it's just so small. Like If it was bigger, it, it wouldn't be as much no. of an issue, but this thing is like, it, it's like a sardine box.
3: No, you can't help it. Um, look, I'll call Otto and tell him it's off.
4: Okay. Are you sure?
3: Yeah, it's fine. Nothing we can do. Ah, damn it. Thanks, Marnie. I'll call you back.
0: All right. Marnie called back Otto, and the two got into a heated argument. But unbeknownst to them, Ben ended up boarding the small plane and making it to the island. So the investigation continued. And after an hour-long boat ride, Finn made it to the island, to the
1: set of *Heroes Isle. Here's Finn with his first in-person interview with Otto, the producer. Finn describes him as a run-of-the-mill-looking guy, a bulbous nose with a side part, average height, average weight. Am I sitting
2: down? Yeah, yeah, yeah. One sec. So yeah, I, um, I, I was thinking, I think we can start you off with Nathan...
4: Phil and him were pretty, uh, contentious throughout the show. Okay. Oh, hold on. Mr. Dorfman, I was told that the body hasn't been touched. Is that uh, true? No, no, no. No, nothing's been moved. I made sure of it. Okay, then this is what needs to happen before I interrogate the people you're most suspicious of. I need to see the crime scene if possible, and then I need you to explain how everything, uh, might have gone down. Anything you might know.
2: Um, Okay. That's all I
0: need. Okay. okay. Um, I can do that. So Otto Dorfman leads Finn to the body. The body of Phil Cardet, the show's host. It's been there for approximately 35 hours.
4: The body's on its side. It's back, kind of. It's halfway held up by the hilt of the machete, which is near his desk on the ground. So it looks like he... It looks like he most likely died after being attacked from behind with a machete. It's lodged in the side of his neck, as if someone was trying to just completely hack off his head. Body's begun to decay. Rigor mortis seems to be losing its effect. And based on the state of the room, the the, uh, the office, it, it looks like there was not much of a struggle. It's like all the valuables are still in place, so. The case of a robbery seems unlikely <clears throat> access to the office could be through either the window or front door the only door and um um auto we need to get a doctor here to do an autopsy right away i'll just i'll need to take pictures now and then we can get it excuse me we can get him out of here Thank you. The angle of the, the slice makes me think that the attacker was taller than the victim. Do we know where this machete's from?
1: So a doctor was called in soon after. The murder weapon, the machete, was presumably Phil's own machete that was hung on display above his desk. While waiting for the doctor to arrive, Finn continued his interview with Otto Dorfman.
4: <laughs> All right, so um, so the first I need to know
2: when the last time Phil was seen alive. Okay, yeah, that was at around 9 p.m., right before we were going to wrap up uh, dinner. Were you the one who saw him then? No, uh, no, no, it was uh, one of our PAs, Cameron. Okay, so I'll be needing to talk to Cameron. Okay, that's Cameron with a K.
4: Got it, thank you. Um, I will eventually need to be able to talk to Oh, you. yeah, yeah, of course, just tell me when. Okay, great. Then who who found the body, and what time was that? Uh, I did at
2: uh, 11. Hmm. Was anyone with you? Yeah, uh, Cameron was with me. Cameron was a kid. So you were going to his office? Yeah, to uh, discuss the uh, next day's shoot and stuff. We would do it um, almost every night.
4: Why were you bringing a PA with you? Oh, excuse me, I didn't bring him. We were just chatting on my way to his office. Okay, I see. Then you opened the door and
2: you found Phil. Well, I knocked, he didn't respond, so I said he was coming in, and,
4: um... And when you got there, he was already...
2: Yes, or, I mean, at least what I could
4: tell. Okay. Okay. So the idea is that between approximately 9 and 11 p.m., Phil was murdered in his office. Uh, yes. And you said on the phone that you believed that it was one of the contestants. I did, yes. Okay, why would you think that? So it's, it's not until, I mean, it's once, uh,
2: once we get to the final four, they move into the village.
4: The village is where they are right now?
2: Uh, yeah, Yes, the, uh, the staff hole stays here for the whole season, but as a reward for making it to the final four, we move the contestants in here, and they can you know, eat well, etc.
4: And because he was murdered after the contestants moved in, you suspect them? Exactly! I mean, I'm playing, I mean, I think,
2: I mean, I mean it's kind of common sense.
4: I mean, it is logical. And you said you've been holding... You've been keeping them separate, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. We've kept them in their room since 11 that night, and they don't know what's going on. So they don't know who I am. Well, no, but I mean, they don't know Phil's been killed. Oh, what? Yeah. Uh, then... Why do they think they're being held? Oh, we said there was a problem with an upcoming challenge and didn't want them talking to staff.
4: Okay, oh, okay. All right. That's...
2: Yeah, yeah, so um, they're in the dark. I mean, doesn't it, does it help to tell them? Actually, this is I- ideal. <laughs> okay, yeah, so I was thinking we can start you with Nathan,
5: then maybe Joanna, or then maybe uh, we
0: just. Nathan, Heather, Joanna, and Theodore were the final four of 16 contestants. Each was being held in a separate room, each with their own bathroom. Food was brought to their door, and two staff members were instructed to guard those doors. Long story short, they would all been confined to their rooms for the past day and a half. Before Finn began his interviews, he called Marnie. Uh,
3: did you just get there?
4: No, no, I, I got here a couple hours ago, but the uh, phones were busy or, or down or something.
3: Still, that took a while. How was the plane?
4: Uh, I'm not going to lie, that wasn't the best. But I am here, and that's all that matters.
3: Well, good for you. Now, it's not easy to face a fear. Nope. Okay, so catch me up. What's going on?
4: So everything we read was true. From what I know, it looks like he was killed from behind. Um, it's halfway through his neck. Hmm. Like they they tried to chop his head off when he was turned away.
3: So everything was like Otto said.
4: Yeah, I told him they should bring your net doctor like like you requested.
3: Yeah, not a pretty sight, I'm sure.
4: Yeah, parts of them were starting to turn purple.
3: Uh sorry you had to see that.
4: It's not my. No. Not my first dead body. Right. So they're holding each contestant in a room. And they haven't left their room, and uh, that's... But they don't even know that Phil's dead. Right. Wait, did you know that already?
3: Yeah, I told you.
4: I don't think you told me that.
3: I definitely did. You did? Anyways, it doesn't matter. But I thought of a way to approach this. Okay. We're going to present this as a human resources problem. Say you're an HR supervisor and you're investigating Phil. Or maybe say a complaint. Whatever works better for that specific line of questioning.
4: Oh, that's good. Their guards should lower it more.
3: Yes. Well, no, if one of them is the murderer, then they'll know why they're being held, so they won't have their guards down. Oh, right. But that's going to be your job to try and get them to slip up or to find an oddity of some sort. And you
4: cut. Yeah, got it.
3: Mm-hmm. I, mean, I would do it, but based on the phone situation. No,
4: it doesn't no, it doesn't really make any sense.
3: No. Uh, <clears throat> body covered, still auto, line of questioning. Morning. Hello? Hey. Yeah, sorry. Did you get confirmation about the time of death being between 9 and 11?
4: Yes, uh, PA last spoke to him at 9, and the body was found at 11 p.m.
3: Okay, great. And find out about everyone's relationship with Phil, what they did that day, but obviously focus on the hours of 9 to 11. Right. And be sure to speak to everyone, especially the ones who confirm the time of death.
4: Gotcha. Will do.
3: Okay. I think that's it. For now. Um, Is this the number I should reach you on?
4: Yeah, my cell gets absolutely zilch surface out here, so this is the best way to, to reach me. Okay. All right. Thanks, Chief. How's everything with you?
3: Just got back from a run, actually. Nothing too crazy. <laughs> okay, never
4: mind. See you later. Bye.
1: After speaking to Otto and arranging the interview order, as well as the ruse of presenting Finn as a member of HR, Finn began
0: his interviews. First up was Nathan Bailey, a contestant from California. He was given the nickname Skater Waiter on the show. And as the name suggests... He was a waiter at a restaurant who also skated. He was the most athletic of the Final Four, dominating most of the challenges that pertain to physical strength and speed. He had
1: long flowing hair, some scruff, and light green eyes. Nathan was pretty tall at approximately 6'2 to 6'3, but was thin. Not frail, but he wasn't hitting the gym and chugging protein shakes.
5: Yeah, pretty good, you know. Final Four is pretty sick. <laughs> yeah, of
4: course. Congratulations, by the way but uh, I was thinking more along the lines of your relationship with your fellow contestants, the staff.
5: Uh, Yeah, I mean, everyone's pretty chill. That's strange, because, well, you see, from what I've
4: been told, you had an altercation with Phil Cardet early on in the show.
5: Oh, yeah, well, me and him don't really like each other. Okay, so what... what I mean, like, we're better now, I guess, but I really couldn't stand him at the beginning.
4: If you can, can you describe your relationship with him?
5: yeah so it's weird because at the beginning like before we were out here at the beginning of casting he really wanted me in the show he was like my main proponent interesting yeah right like and then when he got here it was chill he's funny and stuff Mm -hmm. but i think it was like the second challenge i lost came in second i'm a super competitive guy so i was just bumming kind of pissed and he said some shit just to rub it in my face Mm. do you remember what he said Mm, not really, something like Butter Look and just something sarcastic Oh jeez, and, and then you hit him No, not right away Like oh. I started talking back to him I was like, bro, shut up I'd whoop you in this competition And then he said something like I don't need the money like you And then I yes. got super pissed at him Started calling him like a rich daddy's boy And then he pushes me I hit my head, get up, and I crack him in the face I see. Yeah, not my proudest moment, but once I hit my head, I saw red. I understand.
4: Were there any um, threats or legal repercussions?
5: No, not legal repercussions, but if I wanted to stay on the show, I had to apologize to And did you? Yeah, I had to. It's a -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, so yeah, I did.
4: Oh. Um, And since then, were there any other incidents that might have come up, or...?
5: uh wait am i the one who's being investigated
4: or something well what do you mean
5: i don't know like is this a way for me to stay on the show because i've done everything right since then so
4: no 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 this is i I can't really get into specifics but i'm just seeing what the dynamics between phil and the contestants were okay anything you say will not affect your role in the competition
5: okay in that case uh yeah we've had some problems since then
4: You have? You and Phil?
5: Yeah, he would make just some rude comments when passing by or be sarcastic on challenges when it was my turn.
4: That seems like a lot of animosity. Have you had a prior relationship with Phil?
5: You mean like before the show?
4: Yeah, prior.
5: No, I met him on the first day I got here.
4: Alright, then... So do you remember anything... Actually, wait, do you mind explaining what happened two days ago?
5: The day of when we got locked in our rooms or the day before?
4: The night that you were put into your rooms, exactly. Could you explain that day?
5: Yeah, sure. Uh, So, yeah, I got here, or we all got here. uh, It was our first day in the village, so we were super psyched. I ate a bunch of food. I went in the shower, washed my hair, brushed my teeth, all that stuff, you know. And what about in the
4: evening? Could you describe what went on then? And also, if you remember, could you tell me where everyone else was?
5: Uh, yeah... We all ate dinner at like seven-ish. Then I played pool with Heather for a while, like until I went to bed.
4: Do you remember the the time?
5: Around Um, when? Probably like 9.30ish or something.
4: Okay. And, And you went to bed around what time?
5: Probably around midnight I'd say. Okay then.
4: What about Phil with the other contestants? What was their relationship
5: like? Uh, I don't know. Uh, he seems to like Joanna and Theo. Heather and him seem chill. Mm-hmm. I think it's just me he's got a problem with, really. Mm. Did you mean, like, all the contestants, like, since day one? Yeah,
4: if, if you could, just go over.
5: What yeah, on uh, now that you say it, I mean, him and Jeremy didn't get along.
0: Up next was Heather Combs, an actress from California. She was only 19 years old and had signed up for the contest on a whim. At the time, she had a few credits, mainly just background work as an extra. She was also very
1: athletic. She'd been on her high school softball team. Finn notes a beautiful face full of freckles. She was also quite tall at around 5'11 or 6 feet. She had red hair and a cute button nose.
6: So you're from
4: HR? Uh, yeah, I am.
6: What happened? What's going on? Uh, nothing
4: as of yet. We're just checking in on a complaint that was made. Oh. Yeah.
6: Well, that's good to hear. I was kind of... I was worried for a second.
4: Oh, why is that?
6: Well, we're locked in our rooms and everything. I just thought, maybe something happened.
4: Did something happen that day to make you think that, or... I mean, before you were told not to leave your room?
6: No. Um... Well... Yeah, no, not that I can remember. Okay. I mean, it doesn't seem like that big of a leap, though. They lock us in our room for two days, and then we have a meeting with HR. I understand. Yeah.
4: So, um...
6: Whatever I can do to help, though. I mean, I'm, I'm totally willing to help.
4: Thank you. Appreciate it. So I'm just going to ask you a few questions, and if you could just answer them honestly, that would be a big help. I can do that. Perfect. All right. Well, let's start off with Phil Cardet. What was your relationship with him?
6: We didn't speak too much. I guess it was normal.
4: Okay. What about the other contestants? Did you see any abnormal conversations or behavior with them and Phil?
6: Yeah. I guess um, Jojo and Theo were a lot closer to Phil than I was. They joked a lot.
4: Mm Mm-hmm. And Jojo is, I'm assuming, Joanna, and Theo is Theodore?
6: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, sorry.
4: No, it's okay. So uh, what about with Nathan?
6: Um, yeah. I guess they didn't really get along in the beginning, but they seem fine now.
4: There was a physical altercation, right?
6: Yeah, that's what I heard, but I wasn't there. Uh I just saw, like, security guards break it up. Got it. Yeah.
4: So you didn't interact with Phil much?
6: No, not really. Not one-on-one or anything.
4: What about with the other contestants? Not just the final four, but the ones from before who were eliminated.
6: Um, I guess I saw him flirt with some of the girls.
4: Mm-hmm. Did he ever make you feel uncomfortable?
6: Not what he said to me, but, like, I did hear him say some kind of inappropriate things. Like what? Nothing too crazy, just, like, like nice ass or just being a little too touchy. Oh, uh,
4: okay. Thank you.
6: Yeah. Uh,
4: okay. Can you take me over the events that occurred on the evening before you were told to stay in your room?
6: Yeah, um, like starting in the morning?
4: Yeah, we can start there, or around dinner time, unless there's something that sticks out to you.
6: Um, yeah. Well, I was watching the sunset from the lounge area with Theo the night before dinner. Mm-hmm. We were chatting about game plans and moving forward in in the game, like, like how to move forward in the game.
5: Mm-hmm.
6: And then I went to my room real quick, I changed my clothes, and I came to dinner. And right after that, we were done, so I played pool with Theo until late into the night. Theo? Oh, sorry, no, um, I meant Nathan.
4: So this was right after dinner?
6: Yeah, basically.
4: Did anyone seem unusual at dinner?
6: No, not that I recall.
4: Okay. And where was everyone else after dinner?
6: Well, Nathan was with me, obviously, playing pool. Um, I believe Jojo went to the kitchen and I don't know where Theo went. Maybe to watch T V or something.
4: Mm-hmm. What time did you go to sleep that night? Roughly.
6: Oh, I was exhausted, so like right after pool. I guess that was eleven thirty or twelveish.
4: Okay. Okay. So this lockdown shouldn't be much longer. Just hang tight and
6: Okay. <laughs> I mean, it's fine. It's. Yeah. this
4: little room beats being out in the jungle, so. Oh, gosh. It's kind of an upgrade. Yeah, it really is.
0: <laughs> the third contestant Finn interviewed was Joanna Park. She stood at approximately five foot six, jet black hair, with a single red streak that fell just below her shoulders. She owned two restaurants in New Jersey and decided to go on the show to win the prize money and open a third restaurant in either Los Angeles or New York. She
1: was labeled as the flirt or charmer on the show and managed to get to the final four using her social skills rather than any physical abilities. In any
4: way, okay? Okay. So just be as free as possible. The more we know, the more thorough our investigation can be.
7: Okay, I will.
4: Great, thank you.
7: Um, so what is this about?
4: Uh, we are, well, I, I can't really answer that. But basically, there's been a complaint, and we need to see the validity of that complaint. Essentially, it's what it is. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, so have, a, have you seen any... what we would call inappropriate behavior with anyone on the show?
7: Inappropriate? No. Are you sure? I mean, inappropriate's the wrong word, right? Like, this is a reality show, so there's some more, like, um... There are some things you wouldn't go and do in an office job, but it would be encouraged for drama or whatever, because it's a reality show. That's what people want.
4: Yeah. Can you name s- some examples?
7: I mean, I mean I'm mean, i sure you've heard about it. I'm, he- I'm sure you've heard about all of it.
4: Nothing's irrelevant. Whatever you can tell us is helpful. Just assume I know absolutely nothing.
7: Oh, okay. No problem, officer. <laughs>
4: no, I'm not an officer. I'm just from HR. Sorry. Oh, no, no. <laughs> It's okay.
7: What was your name again? Oh, it's Finn. What I was saying was that basically... Okay, so let me start over. So the incident I was thinking of was between Nathan and Phil. Nathan's one of the contestants. I'm sure you'll speak with him. So he and Phil, they got in a little tussle earlier on and, like, well, it was, like, right at the beginning. And normally Mm -hmm. that'd be super unprofessional, but it makes for really good TV. I
4: understand. So on that note, how was your relationship with Phil? It was
7: good. I mean, it was good. It was, it was fine.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Could you elaborate further? Did you spend any extra time with him while you were at camp or, or maybe after you moved into the village or
7: Um, Yeah, I mean, we we all spent time with each other and him. Maybe some
4: one-on-one time, or...
7: If you're suggesting what I think you're trying to say, then no way in hell.
4: That's a very strong response.
7: Not really. I'm just saying, like, we never did anything. Our relationship was platonic.
4: Yes, got it. So no one-on-one.
7: Well, no, we did go and talk for a while alone.
4: When was this? Or was this an everyday occurrence?
7: No, it wasn't an everyday thing where it was just, like... The day of, or I think it was like two days ago, the day before they put us on lockdown.
4: And what did you do?
7: Well, Phil and I just were talking about food. I'm a chef, and he really loves food.
4: Uh, how long and what time?
7: Um, maybe like an hour or two before dinner.
4: And what about after dinner,
0: roughly? No.
7: Um, so it was an early night, so I just went... Oh, wait, no. So I was talking with the chefs for an hour... Um, after we had dinner, and then I went to bed.
4: So that would put you in bed at around, let's say, 9?
7: Well, yeah, I guess I just watched some TV, and then I went to bed and slept till the morning.
4: Do you remember what you were watching?
7: Yeah, actually, Family Matters.
4: Oh, they have that out here?
7: I mean, yeah, I guess so. Oh, that's good to know.
4: <laughs> okay, back to you and Phil. When you were with him, just the two of you, did anything happen between you two that... Stands out?
7: Nope. Nothing that comes to mind.
4: So you just spoke about food?
7: Yeah, I mean, food and the restaurant industry. Um, he was asking about it. Any reason? He's thinking about opening a restaurant, I guess. Let's see. Why?
4: Oh, I was just wondering.
7: Oh. Have you spoken to Heather?
4: Uh, not yet. Why?
7: Oh, I was just wondering, like, what she said.
4: Well, I, I wouldn't be at liberty to share that, but... We will be talking to her next. Okay, gotcha. Uh, speaking of Heather, were you aware that or were you aware of what the other contestants were doing before you went to bed?
7: No, I don't. I can't remember.
4: Or maybe you saw them like playing pool or uh, going into their room or anything.
7: Yeah, I assume they were all in their rooms.
4: Okay, and so after nine o'clock, you never left your room.
7: Yeah, and I still haven't. It's crazy.
4: Jeez. You don't like it in here?
7: <laughs> I mean it beats being at camp, but I would rather be in the pool here, right?
4: No, I get it. I get it.
7: So, get it. are you going to be staying at the village?
4: Uh, yeah. Okay, well, maybe we can hang out by the pool when they give me
1: We found it really interesting to see what Marnie and Finn found as valid or not valid and what they'd pick up on. For instance, the Family Matters comment Joanna made. We glossed over it and thought that Finn was just being friendly. And although that may be true, he also later did do research on what was airing at around 8pm the night of Phil's murder, and it was in fact an episode of Family Matters. So Joanna's story about being in bed is more valid due to this small
0: detail. Anyways, our last of the four contestants is Theodore Cohen, or Theo for short, a former water polo coach at Stanford. He was the only contestant known to have a relationship with Phil prior to him getting on the show. And you can hear how Finn had to navigate this interview a little differently. Looking at him, you wouldn't necessarily
1: think he would be an athlete. However, he was by far the strongest in any water challenge on the show. He was only five foot seven and wore a baseball style cap throughout the entirety of the season
4: how everyone is feeling on the
5: show. Okay, yeah. I think it's going pretty good. I, um uh, I'm doing great, honestly. The hard part is over, and it's just me versus three. And, uh... I like those odds. <laughs> Congratulations again
4: for getting this far.
5: Oh, uh, thanks. I, uh... You know... Yeah, thanks. So,
4: so again, I'm, I'm... I'm here to see... If you think everyone is getting along, and everyone's acting professional...
5: Yeah, I mean, everyone's totally pulling their weight. And, uh... Yeah, keeping everything professional, as you said.
4: That's interesting you say that, because a common complaint has... Or, excuse me, a common incident people brought up
5: was the fight between Phil and Nathan. Oh, that. Yeah, I mean, it uh, happened at the beginning, but Nathan was way out of line. Kid has a temper. He's just red, you know. Uh, someone sometimes needs to check him. Phil's the one who started it, though, right? Oh, no, no, no. Oh. Phil, he just... He said something, and the kid kind of flipped out. It was totally his right to do that. Phil's right.
4: Oh, okay. You said Nathan has... I'm sorry, would you, would you say that Nathan has rage issues? Uh, yeah. Yes, I would. What makes you say that was a particular situation? Excuse me. We got to get you all out of here. Leave everything. There's a storm coming, and we need to move. Oh,
2: is it that bad? Could be. We got to go now. Oh, yeah.
5: Uh, okay. Oh, sure. Okay, okay, okay.
4: This off real quick
0: <clears throat> who you just heard was Otto the producer warning Finn and Theo of an oncoming storm that apparently put the lives of everyone in jeopardy within just under an hour
1: the entire cast and crew had to be rushed to the other side of the island to a local village before the storm would hit Members of the crew stated that they had to leave behind their personal belongings, as well as thousands of dollars worth of equipment that would inevitably be destroyed. They would then have to trek through a mile and a half of jungle in the rain, carrying whatever they could. Plus, there was a dead body
0: that they had to transport without anybody knowing. An hour later, Finn found himself in a small hut on the other side of the island, huddled together with the locals as they waited for the oncoming hurricane. But soon after arriving, the chaos started arising again. They found out that not everyone had made it. Heather Combs, the aspiring actress, hadn't made it during the transition and was left behind or lost.
1: So a search party was formed, and to no one's surprise, Finn was one of the volunteers. This makeshift crew entered the island's lush jungle, but with such few willing to go, Finn ended up getting lost too separated from the other party members. How do we know this? Well, Finn left a message on a tape while lost in the jungles of Fiji.
4: Uh, I'm lost (laughs) and uh, uh, I I think I'm gonna be okay, but I've been sitting under this cliff and the storm is, there's a big storm right now and uh, it's picking up more and more, so, um, it's, it's it's kind of a mixture of both extreme terror and, uh, boredom, so, uh, (laughs) oh, god, anyway, I don't, I don't think this is, like, the end or anything, but it's, like, not good, (laughs) anyway, I just want to, I love this job, and I love working with you, and Fiji is pretty nice, or was, up until this point, from what I've seen. Not the worst place in the world to die. Just kidding. (laughs) Did not think I'd end up here. I think I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna move again once the storm lets up here. Don't feel bad if anything happens to me. Okay. I'm not saying it will, but just. Don't. Anyway, I'm. Good. I'll talk to you soon. Hopefully. Bye.
0: And that's where we'll end part one of The Hateful Hacking of Phil Cardet. Tune in next week to find out Finn's fate in part two.
1: If you haven't yet, please subscribe or leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you're on YouTube, please like, subscribe, and leave a comment below. And if you are willing and able, check us out on Patreon. We really appreciate the support. As always, reach out with your feedback at themartybliktapes@gmail.com. at gmail.com. You can find us at Antonius Nazareth and at Nicholas M. Sato on Instagram. Editing by Nicholas Sato and Antonius Nazareth. Music by Antonius Nazareth. And special thanks to Mallory Blick and Patrick.